The Squiz is a free weekday email and podcast where your shortcut to being informed. Our weekday podcast is brought to you by Boopa, supporting the health of millions of Australians because life happens. Find out more at boopa.com.au. Good morning, I'm Claire Kimball. And I'm Larissa Moore. It's Monday the 14th of September. In your squeeze today, more than 30 dead in US wildfires. The AstraZeneca Oxford University COVID vaccine trial resumes. Peace talks in Afghanistan and the Comedy Wildlife Awards. This is your squeeze today. The wildfires in the US continue to blaze in the states of Oregon, California and Washington. More than 30 people have died and dozens are still missing. 500,000 people were ordered to evacuate and conditions are worsening. Comparisons are being made between these and the black fires of 2019-2020 here in Australia, Claire. So far, those fires in those three states have burned through 4.6 million acres since they started four weeks ago. And when you compare that to the amount of land that went up in the Australian black summer fires, they consume 46 million acres across the country. So the Australian fires were really huge, as big as these ones in the US are. Also of comparison is the response to exactly how these fires started. There's been record or dry conditions there and very high temperatures. Uh, Democratic candidate for President Joe Biden has blamed climate change for that. Meanwhile, US President Donald Trump, who's going to head to California in the next 24 hours or so, has pointed to poor forest management. While we're talking about fires, over in Greece, the Moira refugee camp on the island of Lesbos, which houses 13,000 refugees, it burned down last week, Claire. That camp has been home to three times more people than it really should have. The conditions have been very overcrowded and squalid. The camp burned down last week, possibly by arsonists. That's left residents to sleep on roads, in fields and even in a nearby cemetery. Greece has asked the European Union to step up and help uh, house those people and also rebuild a facility, which is something that those who have been living there really don't want to see. Meanwhile, there's been tense scenes on the island over the weekend. In a COVID-19 update now, restrictions in Victoria have slightly eased overnight. For regional Victoria, that means up to five people from two households can gather outside. In Melbourne itself, the curfew is being shortened by an hour and a total of two hours of outside exercise a day is allowed. But the weekend also saw some protests, Claire. Very noisy protests, particularly in the city, uh, looking around some markets as well, where market holders really weren't that impressed that their business was being disrupted when it's been hard to come by. In some welcome news, though, for Victorian businesses, Premier Dan Andrews announced $3 billion worth of state government support for COVID-affected businesses. It's the biggest package to support business in Victoria's history. It's a mix of grants and also a deferral of payroll tax. It was largely welcomed by business groups. That adds, of course, to the $27 billion that has come from the federal government in support for Victorians. And just to wrap up the COVID news today, the AstraZeneca Oxford University COVID-19 vaccination trial has restarted. It was put on a routine pause after a participant fell ill. While the cause of the illness isn't known, it is something that can happen in trials this size, the company says. It's now been given the go-ahead from the UK regulator. 
It was late last week that a planning policy about koalas looked like it could split New South Wales Liberal and National Coalition. To recap, Deputy Premier and Nationals leader John Barillaro said that they would move to the crossbench without giving up their ministerial positions over the policy, to which Premier Gladys Berejiklian said, nope, one or the other. How did it play out, Claire? Berejiklian won that round, although it could be winning the battle and not the war. It seems like things are very difficult between the coalition partners, the Liberals and the Nationals in New South Wales. Things continued over the weekend. Several high-profile Liberal ministers spoke out against Barilaro, although they stopped short of calling for his resignation. Meanwhile, Barilaro has shot back overnight, saying that he won't be pushed out. And while we're on politics, Claire, a former Premier of New South Wales, John Fay, has died aged 75. He was one of the key figures in bringing the Olympics to Sydney. He was, and of course, quite remarkable given we're heading to the 20th anniversary Mm. of the start of the Games this week. He was the Premier of New South Wales back in 1993 when the International Olympic Committee announced that the winner was Sydney. Sydney. And Faye was in Monte Carlo with the bid leader Rod McGeoch when they had that iconic celebration jumping to their feet. He was also a Liberal heavyweight. He went on to become the Federal Finance Minister in the newly elected Howard government back in 1996. And he went on after that, after some ill health, to become the president of the World Anti-Doping Agency. A state funeral will be held. Over to international news now, and in Qatar, the Afghan government and the Taliban are meeting for historic peace talks. The United States made a deal with the Taliban earlier this year to start that process, but what they needed to do was to get the Afghan government to the table. It's taken some time to do that. The Afghanistan government was quite reluctant, of course, because uh, they needed to release 5,000 Taliban prisoners, which was something that they really didn't want to do. That was part of the deal the US did. Also, it was calling on the Taliban to stop targeting officials and civilians, which they've been doing ongoing this year, and thousands more civilians have died. If a peace deal is established, it will be the first time in generations that a new form of Afghan government was not established at gunpoint. It was back in May that mining company Rio Tinto blew up the Jukin Gorge Caves, the site of artefacts dating back 46,000 years, significant to both the traditional owners and the history of this continent. The chief executive and two other executives have resigned over the situation. And despite the wave of condemnation from the public, from media commentators and also from governments, it wasn't really until investors recently said that they were very unhappy about it and that they wanted to see the executive executives held accountable. That saw Chief Executive Jean-Sebastien Jacques, also the boss of the Iron Ore Division, Chris Salisbury, and the Corporate Affairs Head, who was responsible for Indigenous Relations, Simone Niven, announced that they will all depart the company sometime in the next year. No need to feel too sorry for them. Reports say that they're going to collect about $40 million on the way out. A message now from our podcast partner, meal kit delivery service, Marley Spoon. Mondays with Marley Spoon are all about making it easy to get your week organised so you can cook meals worth eating every night. And we really do understand that sometimes planning a shopping list and getting to the shops is just a little too much to manage. So each week with Marley Spoon, you can pick from a range of delicious recipes and have the ingredients delivered right to your door. The ingredients are pre-proportioned and come with a recipe card all ready for you to cook. All that's left 
for you to do is whip up delicious meals like chimichurri chicken burgers with garlic veggie fries and aioli. Sounds pretty yum. Head to marleyspoon.com.au to sign up. And if you're a new customer, use code THESQUIZ, one word, to get $25 off your first four boxes. And finally, if you're looking to get your Monday off to a good start, we can highly recommend checking out the Comedy Wildlife Photography Awards. It was one of our most clicked links last year, that Comedy Wildlife Award Gallery. So we've done it again. There are some very funny photos uh, again this year and well worth a look for a Monday particularly. (laughs) I'll pop that link into your episode notes. The pictures are amazing. The descriptions are also pretty good on the side. It's it's a duo, yeah. Claire, what have you got for us as a subject line today? I've gone for the in excess line. Uh, I send a message and hope it gets through. Naomi Osaka, who has won her second US Open title, certainly sent a message when she wore a mask to each match that honoured the victim of police violence in the United States. She's not the shy girl anymore. She's said to be one of the most impactful players on the big tennis circuit these days. While we're on tennis, big congrats to Aussie Dylan. Dylan Alcott, who's taken out his seventh major doubles crown, winning the US Open quad wheelchair doubles title with Andy Lapthorne and sending him all the good luck for the singles final, which will kick off this morning. That's all from us for a Monday. Have a good one and we will be back with you tomorrow. The Squiz is a free weekday email and podcast where your shortcut to being informed. Sign up at thesquiz.com.au. We talk a lot about cybercrime and hacking because almost every day there seems to be some breaking news about another big data breach. But NordVPN can help protect you online, kind of like a cyber bodyguard. It protects your personal and sensitive data while you're online to stop it from falling into the wrong hands. That way, you don't have to worry about keeping your identity and private data safe every time you log on. And even if you make a mistake and click on a dodgy link or open a suspicious email, NordVPN's threat protection will kick in and delete it before it makes a mess of your computer. To find out more and get a great discount, visit NordVPN.com forward slash squiz today.